want you to put up Isaiah chapter 11. Chapter 12, I'm sorry. Isaiah 12. You can just stay in an attitude of worship. Matter of fact, you can be seated while I read this. And just drink in the spirit of the scripture, the spirit of the writer. And be affected by that. The 12th chapter of Isaiah. And you can read it with me. And in that day, say in that day. You will say. Say in that day. I will say. I got something to say, right? We're a speaking people. We're the speaking church. Amen? We're not dead. We don't worship idols. We're alive because of Jesus. And we're the speaking church. And in that day, you will say. Say in that day. I'll say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. For though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you comfort me. Say, you comfort me. Next verse. And behold, look, that means. Behold, look. Look at God. Behold, look at God. My salvation, my deliverance, my liberation, my freedom. I will trust, and I'll not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength. Will you say that with me? Say, the Lord God is my strength. Say, I won't be afraid. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Amen? For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He's my song. Yes. He says, yes. Yes, he has become my salvation. Next verse. Therefore, with joy. Say, with joy. I will. Say, I will. I'll draw water from the wells of of salvation with joyousness I'll draw waters out amen next verse and in that day you will say give thanks to the Lord call upon his name say I'm calling upon his name today all day long they've been writing they've been singing songs about calling on the name of the Lord his name breaks every chain we're talking about the name of Jesus amen amen Upon his name and by means of the name in Solomon tree, declare and make known his deeds among the peoples of the earth. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Amen? Amen. Put your hand over your heart. I want you to come alive today. We need to come alive today. Amen? There's a lot of happenings of God in your lives. There's a lot of happenings of God. Those are testimonies of God because we're experiencing God. Amen? He's more than a book. He's life to us. Amen? Amen? Paul said that. To live Christ is my life. I live Him. That's what we do here. We live His life, right? I'm going to wait till you wake up and catch up with me. We're going to wake up. You can't die in a Holy Ghost meeting, Shambok said. You got to wake up. Huh? Listen to this. His name. Say His name. Declare and make known His deeds among the peoples of the earth. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Say his name's exalted. Say this with me. I will not use the Lord's name in vain. I will not use the Lord's name in vain. I will use his name for what it is ordained. In his name, there's salvation. In his name, there's healing. In his name, there's deliverance. In his name there's freedom, right? Say, I'm not, yeah, give him thanks. Give him thanks. I'm not using his name in vain. Say, I'm not using his name in vain. I'm going to exalt his name among the earth and proclaim him among the peoples. His name, amen? 
His name's a strong tower, the Bible says. And those that run into it shall be sozo, delivered, saved. Amen? Amen. By faith in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. I want, I want to help some of you. With your eyes closed, I want to help a couple of you in here. Not using the name of the Lord in vain. Applying it to your experience and to your life. Every situation that I've ever had and struggled in, I apply his name to. Whatever the struggle is that you're having right now, some of you struggle with eating habits. Just keep your eyes closed. Others struggle with another form of a sin. Maybe it's pornography. I don't know. Whatever that struggle is that's getting the best of you, in your mind, as, as I'm talking and God's speaking to you, I want you to place that in your heart, your mind, and I want you to say, God, it's been too long that I've been struggling too long with this area. I've been trying to resist it in my own strength, and I'm not succeeding, and I'm just getting frustrated. So I'm not going to use your name in vain. I'm going to use it for what it was ordained, what it was appointed for, the power in that name, and faith in that name. And any time in my life, and I want you to do it, whatever this is that I'm speaking and God's speaking to you, I would always say, whether it was something that got out of control for me, whether it's a temper, boy, I've had one of those, whether it's anger, whether whatever it is that got out of control, Paul said, I keep everything under control. Amen? We have the power to do that. So whatever's out of control today, and you need to set it in the boundaries of control of God, I want you to do this. Say, in the name of Jesus, this ends in my life right now. In the name of Jesus, this habit, this sin, this frustration, this ungodliness, if it's appetite, this eating behavior ends in the name of Jesus right now. Some of you, don't be afraid to commit to it. See, that's the thing. When you invoke the name of Jesus, you're invoking the person himself. Jesus said, I'm leaving the earth, but I'm going to leave you my name. I'm leaving you my name instead of me being here. I want you to use my name. And when you do, you're invoking my person here. Amen. So in the name of Jesus, every knee must bow. Every tongue must confess. To the glory of God the Father, the Apostle Paul said, that Jesus Christ is Lord over that thing. Whatever it is, if it's a backslidden husband, say it's enough right now. It's enough. Come back in the name of Jesus. And what you do is when you're saying that name, it's not like the sons of Sceva. They said his name and they didn't mean it. They said his name and just used it like in vain and they got ripped up and tore up you know the story but when we mean it say i mean it it says to confess his name out of a, out of oneness with him matthew chapter 10 32 when you mean it things begin to happen when you say what you said today and apply the name of jesus that means you commit to it say i commit to it see there's a fear in the name of god and when you say in the name of jesus i'm invoking the lord himself in this situation and now that means I commit to that and I believe in that. Amen? And watch whatever it is begin to change. Never fails. Always changes. They're seeing it. It breaks every chain, whatever it is. So then you commit to it. Then you experience the power. Say the power. 
in that name. Did you get that? How many of you got it? I want you to throw your hand in the air. How many of you will apply that in your situation, in your right now, in your happening? Amen? With both hands to heaven, if you haven't said it yet, say, in the name of Jesus, this ends, your power begins, I'm committed to that, I believe in that, and therefore your power is happening in that. Watch what happens to your life in the next few days when that happens. And then that other thing starts to rise up. Whether that habit or whatever rises up, there's a respect that you have because you invoked and called upon the name of the Lord for that. Then He empowers you with that. And you'll just walk out of that in some freedom. Got it? Make sense? Make faith? Amen. I'm going to finish reading this. Declare and make known His deeds among the people of the earth. Listen. Isaiah said in the Old Testament, I want you to pull out joyous strength out of your well. I I, I want you, Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers, say rivers, of living water, right? When When you're not satisfied, there's living waters. Jesus said, I am those waters. And Isaiah said, here's how you draw them out. Here's how you experience them, church. Here's how you experience the Lord's reality. He said, you call upon his name. And you draw waters out of that. Amen? That's what worship is ordained to do. That's why we're here. We're not just holding a pew. We're worshiping God and drawing out joyous strength from that by calling on the name. Say calling on the name. And give thanks in that day and you will say give thanks to the Lord. And call upon his name. Say call upon his name. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord, they will never be disappointed. Never disappointed. And by means of his name, in solemn entreaty, declare and make known his deeds among the peoples of the earth, that his name is exalted. Say his name is exalted. Because it is exalted. No matter what a society wants to do with Jesus Christ, they cannot erase him out of a nation. He bought the nations with his blood. Amen? Let's go back here. I want to do something. Declare and make known his deeds among the peoples of the earth. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Next verse, King. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. He has done glorious things. Let this be made known to all the earth. Go back to four for me, King. This last part. Declare and make known his deeds among the peoples of the earth. We've had this place... We've been doing a lot of warfare, amen? We've been doing a lot of praying, amen? We've been doing a lot of battling for one another, amen? amen. We've been battling for one another, taking the battle to the gates. We've been praying with the prayers of the saints, amen? amen? Prayers surrounding us. Listen, this place is not just about some, some gifts, some, some powerful gifts and mature people in the church. It's about the functioning of his church, right? Say, put your hand over your heart. Say, I've got a function. And I want you to say that out loud. I've got a function. God's called you as much as he's called me. Just because I have a microphone doesn't mean anything. God's called you to his something. And I refuse that these treasures don't come into their inheritance. And that God doesn't get to use you for what he ordained you for. It's a beautiful thing. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. I got my in-laws here. They're great, successful businessmen, but they're more than that. They're more than that. You don't understand the grace of God in their lives, how young men 
that are in military, young women that are in military, they're drawn to them. Why? Because they're so successful in business? No, there's a calling and a grace on their lives. And young men come and, and they're, they're, in, they're in wars, they're special ops guys, and they want to sit and eat with them. Because why? The grace in their life brings stability. They got that thing from God. They're more than businessmen and women. Amen? I acknowledge that all the time. They may think I'm crazy, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> all these years now, why should that change? But they have that, and I, I respect that, and I tell them that on the phone. Hey, I got this kid, special ops so-and-so, that came over to hell. Oh, we got to go to dinner. We just left church, and there's this people. We got to go to dinner with them. I said, that's because they're graced. Spirit, like fathers and mothers in the faith. Amen? And these kids, they just want to sit down. Say, we don't have sanity in our families like this. Can we get around you? Can we cuddle up with you? Easy, I'm not doing it. Sorry. But can we lay our head on the chest? Amen? That's the calling of God. The church, we got to wake up. Amen? Tell your neighbor, you got to wake up. You've got a calling in your life. God called you and ordained you for a purpose. And you're going to be frustrated if you just think you're going to attend a church service. What did you come to see when you came here? We know what it's about. You guys can sit down before you guys are standing on the corner. You guys can sit down. They're like, guys, he's talking forever, but it's all right. Proclaim his deeds among that his name is exalted. Amen. Say, I got a function. That's why you're here. Remember why you're here. That's why what, what this place is about. It's not just for a few good gifts. It's for a functioning body of Christ. And that's the burden of God's heart. Amen. Don't you know? Don't you know that anyone that becomes a seeker of God begins to get the burdens of God? Don't you know that? Because we're seeking Him. Amen. And we've been doing warfare for each other, not just by ourselves. Philippians 1 19. Uh, shoot it up there for me, Cain. Prayers of the saints. Say prayers of the saints. Say I'm a saint of God. That's what Paul said. That's what Peter said to the church, the saints of God in Ephesus. I write these things. For I know, let's read this together, that this shall turn out, turn to my salvation. Whatever you're going through is going to turn to your deliverance, to your salvation, to your betterment. Amen? Ask Josh that. I'm going to have Josh testify something in a minute. Ask Josh that when, when he saw that and didn't believe that. And then look what's happening now. Congratulations, Mr. and Mrs. They just got married again. Will you give them thanks? God, thanks for the miracle of God. Give them thanks, will you? They just got married again. Whatever he was going through turned out for his salvation. Turned out for Daisy's salvation. Amen? It turned out. Say it turned out. I remember talking to Daisy. He thought it was never going to turn out. But it turned out. God redeemed and got their whole family back, right? Affect the next generation of his children's children. That's a powerful thing. For I know that this will turn to my salvation deliverance through your prayers. Say, through your prayers. Tell your neighbor on the left, through your prayers. Tell your neighbor on the right, through your prayers, this thing's turning out for me. Through your prayers, this thing's going to turn out, right? Through your prayers. Through your prayers, through your prayers, through your prayers, this is turning out. Anna's salvation, Anna's deliverance. Through your prayers, church. Through your prayers is turning out for these 
through prayers, it's going to turn out for you. Just hang on. Hang tight. Through our prayers. Amen? Nobody's alone in here. Amen? There's nobody alone. Nobody's by themselves. Through your prayers, and through our prayers, there's a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Say the supply. There's a supply of God's life through our prayers. Not a single person's alone in here. Oh, I looked up the definition. You've got to read it. You've got to read it. Go to Mark chapter 2 for me, Cain. I, I looked up the definition right before I came out here, thinking about for your prayers. I hope I put it down. Mark chapter 2, I believe it is. I'm going to turn there. Turn there with me if you... Oh, you don't have to. we got the big screen. Anna says, I'm not used to that big screen whenever she talks. Verse 1, it says, And when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home. Say, Jesus had a home. And many were gathered together, and they were no longer room, not even near the door. And he was speaking the word to them. Say, that's how we keep alive. Amen? Speaking words. Speaking the word of God. Speaking the word of God. And they came bringing a paralytic and carried by. Who is that paralytic guy? Who is that lame guy carried by? How many men? How, Cain said he gave me the signal for. But since we're the speaking church, the living church, I want you all to say, how many men assisted? How many men assisted? There we go. A little bit of strength. I like that. Four men carried their brother. Say the prayers of the saints. There's four men on the corner carrying their brother. Right? Next verse. And then they came bringing a paralytic to him. Who, and when they could not get him to a place in front of Jesus, because of the throng, they dug through the roof. I know there's some of you that have been digging through the roof on Anna's behalf, on my behalf. I know I've been digging through the roof on some of your behalfs. Amen? When you feel crippled and you feel paralyzed and you feel like you just can't get up, there's four men coming to rally and pick things up. Amen? Say, I'm one of those four men. I'm one of those four men. This is the cool thing that's happening in this church, that we're becoming one. Amen? One. One heart, one mind, one body. A supply of the Spirit. People do not know what they're missing when they're not connected to Jesus Christ's body or a part of his church. When they're just floating around out there by themselves. And when they could get no place in front of Jesus because of the throng, they dug through the roof above him. And when they had scooped out an opening, they let down the thickly padded quilt on the mat upon which he with the paralyzed man lay. Next verse. And when Jesus saw their faith... Tell your neighbor, when he sees your faith, their confidence in God, their persistence in God, they're not quitting. They're going to break him through. They're going to open the roof, which represents opening heaven for that person. Amen? Amen? He said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, and it goes on. I want you to look at this definition of, of the roof. I think I put it down. It's amazing. It's from the word study. It means this. I can't even say the Greek word. Tesaurus means four, right? Four. Say four. Which sometimes also symbolizes universally, this is what it means, parentheses, total coverage and inclusion. 
Say they opened the roof. The four brought total, say that with me. Say total coverage and inclusion for that person's healing. Amen? Say that's what I'm called to do. I have a part. Say I have a part. Do you really believe that? Amen? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 19. For this I know, that this shall turn. Say it's going to turn. The Bible says that God's going to give you a double for your struggle. Amen? You go through times of struggles, but he grants you double for that. Double blessing, right? Double growth. I, I pray here all through the week, and I'm praying, God, don't give us a move of God here. We don't just want a move of God. We want a growth in God. See, a move will come and go. And we've had that here, right? Look around you how many people have come and go when we have moves. But growth remains. That's fruit. And Jesus said, my father's glorified that you bear much fruit. That you show much growth. You show character. You show consistency. Amen? Amen? Am I by myself today? I need some help. (laughs) Amen? All right. Amen. All right. Thank you, Tom. One of you, one of you are happy about it. I'm going to have you turn to John chapter 12. And I want, I want to, I want to speak on some things that are happening here. And things that are already happening, right? I I want you to know a couple weeks ago, I listened to, to Arthur take the ball and carry it last week and he said, he said this statement, he said, in a recognition of God and the elements of God. Say the elements of God. See, we're not, we're not just playing church. We're, we want the Lord in a real way. And whatever he does, however his presence appears to us, whatever the word that he's given us, we want to be good stewards of that. Amen? Say stewards. Because Jesus lifted up the bread, the loaf, it says, and he said, Father, and he blessed it and broke it, and he distributed it to all of his people. That's say me. Say all of his people. But when he was done, because Jesus is so excellent, he had his disciples not only distribute it, but go gather it. Say, gather it. Pick up fragments. That means little pieces. Jesus not wasteful. He goes, hey, you guys distribute it, but go back and pick up those fragments. And we've been doing that for, what, three weeks? Picking up fragments. Tris picked up some fragments. Amen? I've been picking them up. Arthur's picking them up. Right? And so powerful is the bread of life, Jesus, and the word of God, that we don't even want to lose a crumb. Because there's, there's healing even in the crumb. Don't you remember the story with the woman that didn't even belong to Israel and said, Jesus, can you heal my daughter? And he goes, hey, I'm not really called to you. I'm not called to you. And, and, and she said something like, but even the dogs will get the crumbs. Give me just that crumb from you. That will produce a healing in my life, a supply of my life, right? So we're picking up fragments. And these, everybody's learning how to do it. Say, I'm learning. And there's young men in here, and Joseph, and, and Josh, and, and other young men that are coming up. They're picking up those fragments. They're learning the ways of God and the body of Christ. Amen? And they're picking them up, and they're bringing those crumbs, and people are getting fed by that. Amen? And then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Say Bethany. And if you want to write a title on your notes... I want you to put, give me Bethany any day. Give me Bethany any day. 
Give me Bethany over big business religion any day. Give me Bethany any day. Give me that Bethany. Amen? Bethany, right in your notes, means this. It was a little place. Bethany was a little house. And the word Bethany means house of affliction. Bethany means house of afflicted. Bethany means house of poor outwardly. Say outwardly. Look around these walls. They they don't look very new. They look kind of (laughs) homely. Say little house, afflicted house. Give me Bethany any day. Because who was in Bethany, the afflicted house, was Jesus, seated at the table. Amen. Was Lazarus testifying? Was Martha serving people? And was Mary worshiping God and breaking alabaster boxes? Amen. Bethany, house of afflicted, house of poor, small place. It also means house of dates or figs. That means no matter how small it is, it's fruitful. Because somebody's in that house. Do you know geographically, Jesus met in that house of Bethany. Say Bethany. If you look in your Bible in Mark chapter 14, that house belonged to a leper that was healed by Jesus. The leper that was healed by Jesus. That's who had that house. I find myself with a burden as of recent. And I believe that you're going to catch that burden as of recent. Because if you're a seeker of God, says David was a man after God's very own heart. Put your hand over your heart. Say, God, make me that man. Make me that woman after your very own heart. Which means David was a seeker of God. He wanted to hang around with God. He wrote songs in the shepherd field. He worshiped God. He was addicted to being with the Lord. Right? And, and after he was after his heart, guess what? It also means after his own heart means... He has the heart of God now. So he sees things like God. He feels things like God. And when religion's saying, you can't do this, David, he says, my men are hungry. i got to feed them. That's the heart of God. Amen? But not only that, David had a burden. After hanging around, say a burden. And I want to get back to something before I go on to this John 12. You guys help me get back to John 12. But Arthur, I want to get back to what I was. But Arthur said he recognized something about two weeks ago. He goes, hey, I listened to this. We got a blast from God. Say a blast. What he's recognizing is the elements that God is visiting us as his people. He visits by wind. Say wind. Ezekiel said fire. Amen. And he said water. But God at this particular time came in a blast, say a blast, a breath, a wind, a ruach. He breathed on us. Amen. And made my my heart smile. And I go, look at, look at how he's picking up this fragment. Look how he's identifying the presence of God. It's not just to have us kick up our heels and go like, yeah, yeah, we had a great service. But he's acknowledging God, what is your purpose in that service? Right. He breathed on us. He breathed. And so when we start getting the burden of God, we start praying, and you'll find this shift. And I want you to wake up to prayer. Say, wake up to prayer. Every one of us as the church are to pray and intercede. I want that to happen on a stronger level. If you need the keys to this building to get away from people, call Arthur. Call me. Don't call Jimmy. He said, don't call me. No, but he said, Craig, I'm I'm doing computers. Call me or call Arthur. We'll give you the keys Lay hold of the horns of the altar and take on the burden of God and begin to pray. Amen? 
Because it's time to pray. When God, he said, how's he say in Psalms, Anna, where's he at? He said, when I said, seek my face, your face shall I seek. When God draws us to prayer, if we're obedient, because we have his heart, amen? That a burden means a weight of distribution. Here's a burden. Put your hand on. He feels the weight of it. He's too big. I need something heavier. A weight comes on him. That means if a burden comes to our lives, that means God entrusting us with what's on his heart. Say, on his heart. That's a burden. It's something that's, it's a weight. The Hebrew says kabod. It means it's a little bit weightier. So you don't just pray for your things and your gig and all that. You're saying, God, I feel your heart on this matter. What you care about, I'm caring about. Say, that's us as a church. Tell your neighbor, that includes every one of you. Tell them again, because they're not listening. Tell them harder. They're not listening. Every one of you. So if God's calling for that, and we're getting a hold of his burden, and we've got to pray right now. We've got to pray for our nation. It's, things are changing. Things are tilting. There's great tension going on in the nation. There's almost like a tearing. There's great tension. You talk to people, and they're so frustrated with leaders. They're saying, but, but listen, leaders frustrate God. But the people are crying out for God. Leaders are saying, I'm resisting. I don't want this God thing. That, this, this book and this word and this person, Jesus, it's archaic. Put it away. We don't want that in our leadership. Do you ever hear that sound coming out of leaders? But the other sound coming out of people is that we're groaning. We don't know what to do. I, I meet people that are saying, I'm so frustrated because there's a tension going on in our earth, in our nation. Amen? Go to Psalms chapter 2. You say, Craig, you're, you're, you're okay, I'm going to finish this. I'll tell, tell me, guys, back to John 12. Yeah, Gloria, Gloria said, I'll tell you. I want you to go through this just so you get this, so you'll, you'll, uh, so there you go, thanks, Cain. It says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Next verse. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers, say the rulers, some of the leaders, they want to take God out of everything when he created everything. Say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He still rules, amen, over kings and kingdoms. He's still the same. And in those days, those men wanted to reject him. Nowadays, some of the leaders that we have want to reject him. They can't erase him. Say, they can't erase him. You cannot erase his identity. He's eternal. Amen? And the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying. Let us break these bands asunder. Let's get away from this God stuff. Let's get away from the origin of this nation. Let's get away from all this stuff. We don't want God in our schools, they're saying. We don't want Him anywhere. We just don't want Him, period. But the church with the burden is crying out, Lord, we need you. Lord, we want you. Lord, we got to have you for our next generation so they live, so they experience sanity and not chaos. Amen? And they try to cast away. Say the leaders do that, not the people. Next verse. He that sits in the heavens laughs. I, I don't know. God laughs at it, I guess. Makes me mad. <laughs> Makes me mad that they don't want God. And he laughs. I guess he's not intimidated like I am. I'm mad. Yeah, he's not worried. He, they, he shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Next verse. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them with sore displeasure. Next verse. Yet. Say yet. 
Regardless of leaders not wanting to acknowledge God, regardless of leaders and nations, I'm not just our nation, other nations saying he's archaic, uh, he, he, this is old, we've got to change some things, we don't need God anymore. In spite of that, the Lord said, I've set my king. Say, I've set him. That means like concrete. He's going nowhere. Tell your neighbor, he ain't going nowhere. He is set in this earth. I've set my king on the holy hill of Zion. Next verse. And I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me. Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Next verse. Ask of me. Thank you, man. I was waiting. I was just waiting how long. It was so, so very silent. Ask of me and I shall give thee. Say give thee. The heathen for thine inheritance. And the uttermost parts of the earth for your possession. Next verse. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them in the pieces of a potter's vessel. Next verse. Be wise now. This is what we're praying. Be wise now, therefore, O kings. Be wise, leaders in America. Be wise. He still lives. It's his place. It's his earth. It's his nation. Amen? Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear. Start respecting again. And rejoice with trembling. Anna wrote an awesome song, prophetic song. Kiss the sun. Say, kiss the sun. Lest he be angry. And you perish from the way, say from the way, when his wrath is kindled. But a little, but a little, but a little blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Say, I'm blessed. I put my trust in him. I'm listening and hearing the call of prayer. Amen. So if you need to get in here, I'm just giving you a commercial. Get in here and pray. Start taking on the burden of God about our society and about our nations if you're not if you're too selfish to do it for yourself do it for the next kids look at a little kid right there two of them i know you guys think you're men but guess what i'm an old dude you're still kids look at them look at them he looked like a full-grown man what happened to you what the heck happened to you what the heck happened to him he's bigger than me but look at that generation and be motivated Come in here and lay hold of the altar. And listen, that, that tension that's going on in the earth is for a reason. And we, the church, are responsible for that divine tension, right? We're, we're supposed to call heaven to earth because of that. Don't you know the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let thy kingdom come on this earth. Say on this earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, pray that. There's tension between heaven and earth. But my church, I want you to pray heaven to earth. And I want them to kiss the sun. Amen? So God's awakening us. Say he's awakening us. He's calling for prayer. Not just for the elders. Not just for a few on Saturday night. But every day of the week. Amen? You, when, you'll find yourself, when you pray for his will, he'll take care of your needs. Focus on him. Get the burden of God. Get the weight of God. Let him trust you with that. So you pray that out. Amen? Say creation's groaning. See, that's the condition of the leaders. But the condition of people are saying, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm confused. I don't believe in this leadership. It's horrible. Even the people that liked it say it's horrible. I'm not getting to meddling. Easy. I'm all right. I'm going to go back to the word here. I didn't go to meddling. Easy. It is the truth. But people in the middle, Jesus said, he said he looked out at the masses and he said they were like sheep without a shepherd and it moved him in heart. And I want you to be moved in heart for the lost. 
Go after them. Tell them some things. Tell them good news, right? We got to get those lost people that are without direction, without hope, and dead in their trespasses and sins and bring them to the Lord. I always had in my heart a burning. I love sitting and eating with publicans, not Republicans. I'm not so hip on them all the time. But with publicans and sinners. And it makes God's heart smile and joy because he wants to bring them in to his kingdom. Amen? Amen? And then the next burden that you're going to find as you're close to God is a burden for his church. Listen, Jesus said in John chapter 2, The zeal of the Lord of hosts has consumed me for my father's house. Say my father's house. You hang around with the Lord, then the zeal of God is going to start consuming you for the father's house. Say the father's house. See, when I was born again in 1980s, when I came to Jesus and didn't know nothing, we, we were taught that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Tell your neighbor, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives in you. Jesus lives in you, right? And that was good for us because we became God inside-minded. We knew who was in us. The greater one lives in us, the Apostle John said. But it wasn't ordained to make us independent of his church. We are the temple of God. Say, I'm the temple of God. But this is the house, no other than the house of God. That's what Jacob said. So you got, and I've been praying for people at this altar. I went through the years, 1980, all the way to 2013. And I've seen how many people that I see that have been and received Jesus, but they're a part of nothing. Ezekiel said, those are the dry bones. Those are the people in the valley. They feel like they're not connected to anything. And they're dying out out there. And so when Arthur acknowledges, hey, hey, this wasn't that guy Craig. There was a certain sound. There was a certain wind, a certain breath. We pay attention. What's the purpose of that? That wind is to make dead things alive. That wind is to call for people that are, are hurting out there and drying up and dying out like bones to come back together. That wind that, that God breathes into us, you're to breathe out there and call for those ones that are in the valley. Some people are in the valley of decision. Man, I don't know. Is God real anymore? Is he not real? Is God like this anymore? Get them out of that valley of indecision. Some are in the valley. that They're still there. They, they, they've been out, of, out of, of connection with the body of Christ for years. And they're dim. They're going out. Their lights are going out. Amen? I don't want their lights to go out, so I shouldn't say amen. I don't want their lights out. But God's using us. Say using us. His saints. Say his saints. Our prayers to deliver people, right? So I want you to get that and start breathing that wind on people. Go to Ezekiel 37 for me, Cain, real quick. Say burdens, testimonies, revelations. Say it again. Say burdens, testimonies, revelations. Say we've come to burdens in this house. We've come to testimonies. Didn't you hear the testimonies of God, and we still have Anna testifying. I mean, when she first started out, she couldn't even get out of bed. And she testified with the little bit of strength she had. She testified of what? An experience with God. Say, that's what a testimony is. Tell your neighbor, that's what a testimony is. An experience with the living God in my living now. In my right now, I experience God. He's not just the God of history. He's the God of right now. Amen? And she brought a testimony saying one day I, I felt, and she wrote out of that, uh, that testimony, out of that test became a testimony, and she wrote a song called I'll Still Praise Him in the Dark. I, sit and I never hit those keys. 
I'll still praise him in the dark. And she started testifying, say testifying, and telling us of God's encouragement and his strength to her physical body. Amen? Tris came here, testifying, say testifying, which is an experience in life with God. He testified of God's faithfulness and his realness. Tris testified that he said he got prophesied to and looked like nothing happened. But he learned something in, in that test. The testimony to us was, hey, God is faithful regardless of what your head is saying. And he's true. Stick around. There's a way of God. Do you remember that? See, that was his testimony. That's what he experienced. And that's what he distributed to us. That's an exciting thing. Amen? Josh, he came to me. He, he calls me and he feeds me all the time. He said, Craig, I want you to know this about God, and this isn't in vain, and that's not in vain. But he had a testimony, and this was his testimony. He said, I, I had some struggles going on, and I thought about driving out of Bethany, the little house, down the highway to Midland, to a big place with a lot of people. And, and instead of parents training them, nurseries train them. I'm just saying. But he said, but then I got a revelation from God. And I said, it is a revelation from God. And he said, listen, where God places me, and I said, I, I tell him, when I'm, you know, you're older, you try to be hip. You go, dude. I give him that dude. I try to be hip. I'm older. I have the gray hair. I go, dude, do you know that that's what the Bible says, that he places the solitary in families? First, he places us in a family of God. Amen? That we might flourish, that we might prosper in God. And then he says in Corinthians, Paul the Apostle, that he sets us in a body or in a group of people called the church, right? As it pleases him. Say it pleases him. Say it may not please me. People ask me all the time, why do you live here in this dry land? Well, why do you think I live here? <laughs> if I have a certain gift that I'm going to breathe wind on dead things, then where's he going to put me? Where everybody that eats cotton candy or is going to put me in a dead place with skulls and bones? Hey, and so you want to be in the ministry. <laughs> Who was telling me that? Bruce DeLay said something about my in-laws. He goes, Craig, there's not going to be any. They, they're from Pebble Beach. There's no ocean there. There's just pebbles. <laughs> I said, it don't matter. But he sets you. Say he sets me. Say he places me. I had an individual uh, from another, another place in Texas say, how does it feel to be placed where you're supposed to be? Because they said, because I'm not, and I'm frustrated. And we worked and spent time with the will of God saying, where are you placed? Well, out of your heart comes this. This is where you're placed. They left there. We, we got out of the restaurant. They were pumped and excited. They got placing. They know where they were sent, what city they were sent to. And they, said, and they got a phone call that confirmed it. Right after we got out, the guy called from that city, from that state. That was a confirmation for them. God wants them placed there. Say placed there. He wants them set there. Tell your neighbor, he set me in the body as it pleased him. So just adjust your heart like Josh Because Josh said, listen, Craig, it doesn't make sense. He said, "For if I'm set here and everybody wants to go over there, not because God's there. And, I'm not, and maybe he is to a portion. I'm not saying that. But because it's bigger, I can get lost there. I can do whatever there. But he said it doesn't make sense because if he planted me here, I'm to affect the city that I'm in. Right? Ah, could have had a V8. Does that not make sense? 
So he got a revelation. And I told him, buddy, that's the way of God. That's the word of God. That's how God does it. And, that, and if these young guys are hearing that sound and it's echoing out of their lives, like, like Tris, hey, you know what? He's like, Tris is all so blunt. And I'm going to do this because it's Tris and I know how you guys don't like it. But he said, it sucks. He goes, you know what? I, I thought I was going to be the guy that was the golden vessel. And he goes, but that sucks. The ways of God are different. This guy, this, this guy is the golden vessel. I'm just here to bring him in and do my part. Say the way of God. The way of the cross. See, there's still a generation that's hearing that sound. Listen to the sound. Listen to the sound. That makes me happy that the next generation will carry out the ways of God and the will of God, right? And not just be all about self-indulging. Uh, what about, well, if I go over here, uh, I had a guy actually tell me, and I was telling Josh, he said, Craig, I don't come to the church anymore because I get so uncomfortable with my sin when I'm here. I said, hey, <laughs> that was puzzling. I go, hey, thank you for telling me that. But that, you got something going on between you and God there. So if you're not staying here because God's demanding you to give up whatever it is, that area of sin, and you think you could go over there and just fit in, you got a problem. Right? I knew a guy, he said, I, I want to sit in the back. He said, because what's in here, I feel the presence of God. I, I know he's real, but it's so demanding. So demanding? Well, when you said, Lord, I do, guess what? He believed he owned you. That's why he's called Lord Jesus. So they said, so demanding, so I'd rather not. And, and then they go around the mountain, and then they come back, and they, they call you a few months later. My life is broken. It doesn't work sitting in the back, and I lost everything. I ain't going to come back. And they come back, and they get resurrected. And hopefully they'll stay, but most of them don't. Amen? No, not amen. Please, Craig, stop it. Arthur was breaking his habit of uh, something with real. He's like, stop it, darn it. And I've got to stop the amening. <laughs> It's like, yeah, and everybody died, amen? No, don't do that. That's a bad habit. <laughs> amen, so be it. Agree with it. Yeah, amen? Agree with it. <laughs> Just agree with it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So listen to this. Say burdens. So I heard, I heard the webcast said, Arthur, sounded pretty good, man. And uh, he goes, yeah. He goes, there wasn't a whole lot of folks in the, in the house, but God was good and all that. And... Uh, and he said, I recognize that the Lord, I'm paraphrasing in his mouth, I'm recognizing that it's wind, that's a blast. He said, there's a blast of God going on in the house. Say a blast. And he said, and the hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel, say Ezekiel, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley. Say valley. Listen, I'll get into that later. Which was full of bones. Say bones. Next verse. And cause me to pass by them round about and behold them. So when you're starting to pray for them and people come to your mind, God's going to cause you to pass by some, some dry bones that you know. Maybe they were, once, they were friends of yours, connected with you, but he's reminding you of them. Amen? He wants something to happen in this time. And he said, there were very many. Say there was a lot. There's a lot. Danielle will tell me, hey, I saw so-and-so over here that used to be a part of the body of Christ. And, and, you know, and they're kind of like limping around trying to tell you a 50-day-old revelation of Jesus. Huh? <laughs> I'm not going to be mean. I'm just going to be honest. I had a guy come say, can't you sing that song? What the heck was that song, Joe? Where are you? Where's Joseph? What's that song? Yeah, can you sing that wrong cannoli? I said, wrong cannoli? What? No, that stopped in 1990. What? Is that where you left off? Come back in the house of God. 
1990, most of these people go, who's that? Is Ron Cannoli a dessert, an Italian dessert? <laughs> yeah, cannoli? I, what is he? And I, I remember a lady coming to Anna and saying, man, I remember the last scripture I remember that impacted me when I was in nursery class with God. She's 35 years old. I'm just saying. Say he's new every morning. All right, and there are very many, and there's a lot out there, and there's many, and God's going to bring them to mind, and we're supposed to do something with it. Say what? Burden of prayer. Say burden of prayer. And lo, they were very dry. They were very dry. Say very dry. And he said unto me, he said, tell your neighbor, he said unto you, candy. <laughs> Did you, you make fun of me when I said you? I heard my little wife. You. Okay. And he said unto you, <laughs> can these bones live? Can these bones live? He said unto me, he said unto you, can they live? I, they don't look like they can, Lord. And, and he answered, oh, Lord God, only you know. Because on our strength, it ain't happening. We've, we've tried to do it all. Next verse. And again, he said unto me, prophesy. Say prophesy. And again, he said unto me, prophesy. And again, he said unto me, prophesy. Listen, this house is full of great gifts. It's got prophets. It's got teachers. It's got pastors. But at this particular issue, he said, I want you, the church, to prophesy to these bones. I don't, you can't teach these guys together. You can't revelate to them. You can't reason to get them together. For this particular tool, you need to prophesy and release wind to them to get them alive again from the dead. Prophesy. Say prophesy. Prophesy in simplicity means speak forth. Say speak forth. Speak forth the word of God. Speak for God. Speak forth God to people. Amen? All right. Say, I'm going to prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, Oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Say the word. The word of God. The ruach of God. Next verse. And thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Say you'll live. So everyone you come in contact this week, because the breath of God is to you, you're going to tell them, you're going to live. God's going to redeem your time. He's not forgotten you. Get up. Come back to life. Come back to his church. Are you listening to me? And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will bring up flesh upon you, and I will cover you with skin. Say skin. And I'll put breath in you. Say breath. Say the prophesied word brings breath. What Arthur said, it's a blast of God. For a purpose of God, that dead things come alive, that things that are broken get back together and put in breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Next verse. So I, so I, so I, as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise. Say there's a noise. <laughs> Say a noise. When you start speaking the word of God, you start speaking forth his will, something begins to happen. A noise begins to happen. And there was a noise. And behold, a noise came and a, and a, and a, and a, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. Next verse. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. Next verse. Then said 
he unto me. Prophesy unto the, unto the, what element? Blast, wind, word, all scriptures given by God, inspired by breath. Don't you know? That's what Timothy, Paul wrote to Timothy. Don't you know? He said, hey, all scripture in this book, though men wrote it, God inspired it. Though men penned it, God inspired it. He, he breathed on it. So people would just read it, would come alive by it. Breathe upon these slain that they may live. Next verse. So I prophesied as he Remember I said some things you pray about, some things you just pray, but some things you just simply obey. And when he tells you, I want you to pray this, I want you to prophesy, speak this, whether it looks dead or not, you are my young Ezekiel's, prophesy that so this can come alive. Don't be moved by anyone. Don't be moved by anything. Be moved by God. How holy men of old, Peter said, were moved by God. Too much of cerebral Jesus in America that we try to lower him to our image. But God said, no, I made my image. You're in my image, and you're in my likeness, and what I like. Not what you like, what I like. Huh? He said in Joshua, you're a brand plucked out of a fire. What brand of Jesus are you representing? That fiery brand? Say, I am. If I'm not, I'm going to. And the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet. Say, stood on their feet. A great army. All by what he was saying the other day, the blast of God, the element of God. So when you're in here, you're not just here to have your hair blown back like that commercial with the speakers and just go, wow, what was that all about? You're here to catch that breath. Say, catch it. You're here to inhale it, and then you're here to exhale it out there. Amen? To lost people, right? To dead people? To dry people? To disconnected people? Right? Are you listening to me? Are you with what he's saying? All right. All right. So let's go back and I'm going to wrap it up. John 12. Thank you, my wife. That's what she does. Help me. She said, this guy, he goes all over the place. John 12. And I'm going to introduce it, but I'm not going to finish it. I am. I said, why are you laughing at me for? You just don't believe that, do you? He doesn't believe me. He does not believe me. Say, give me Bethany any day. Over big business religion? Give me Bethany. Right? So there, there Jesus was six days before the Passover. He came to Bethany. Say, Bethany is the house of the afflicted. Say, it's the house of the poor. Say, it's the house of figs. It's a fruitful house. It's a little house, but it's a fruitful house. Yes, so be it, Anna. Go ahead, Anna. And, the, and he goes, and the Passover came to Bethany. Where Lazarus, which had been dead, say he was dead, whom he raised from the dead. I told you, Bethany, Mark 14, you do the research. It was a leper's house. It, it was the house of lepers. All of us in our lives sometime were lepers. I don't care if you were a nice guy or a mean guy. I just fit in the mean guy category. He was a nice guy, but he still had to accept Jesus. Right? Say, nice guy, mean guy, it don't matter. He still needed to accept Jesus. So he, all, he had leprosy, whether he covered it nice. I had leprosy. I couldn't cover it at all. Right? So it was a leper's house. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're not a leper anymore. 
But that tells of Jesus. Don't you see the illustration? Sometimes God speaks in allegories. Sometimes he speaks line upon line. Sometimes he just speaks so things that we could see because we're visual people. You, you got to see that. That's why he says to you, hey, look over here. Whosoever says to this mountain, be removed. Your faith can move big things. He tells it. He speaks to us through things. Through creation, he speaks to us. Amen? He said, listen, see that big rock? That rock's bigger than that rock, and your God is like a rock. That's allegories. It speaks to us by visuals. So he says, he says that, and he goes, and there made him a supper, and Martha served. Say Martha served. I want you to say out loud, give me Bethany any day. Give me Bethany any day. Because Martha was serving in Bethany. Tell your neighbor, you're a Martha. See, because we're talking about the functioning of the body of Christ. We're talking about you. So listen, I, I have got a phone call last week from a group that had left a church because of, uh, uh, for the right reason. They weren't just a bunch of eggheads, but they left. Forty of them left because of some of the shenanigans in the leadership. And all 40 left, but they're like uh, people without a shepherd. They got together, and some of them began to say, you know what? We, we feel good now. We feel like we're changed, but all we do is share. We sit in a big circle, 40 of us, and we share. Hey, how about, is anybody in here, can anybody, is anybody even apt to teach, one guy said. Can we stop? I mean, it's good to share because we need that, but can anybody just, is anybody apt and gifted to teach in here? Because we, we, we got to hear something about the Word of God. Can anyone teach? And they pass notes around, and, and some of these people were involved for 26 years, and they don't even know what their function is. It broke my heart. I said, 26 years, what were you doing? Because when God wants all his people to know their placing, their setting, their calling, their functioning. Yeah, I remember, since you're here, I remember my father a long time ago. Craig, where's Craig? He went to East Texas. I think he's just trying to find himself. I was. I was trying to find myself in God and do what I was born to do. Right? So, and, and, it, and it's worth it, right? That's what you do. God has a treasure in you, and you, you're to function. So if you come in Bethany's house, the house of the afflicted, you come in this place, we're all about fishers of men, catching men, teaching men, building men. Amen? Are you listening to me? So 26 years, they, they didn't know. So they, they, were, they were like, wow, I don't, I don't know what I do. Of course, it, God's going to redeem their time. But they've got to find out who he made them and what they're to do and their part in this thing. Right? Just like I told you, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, businessman anything that they touch he's got an administrative gift everything he sees is one two three and the business stands and it's established because he's an establisher so he leaves and his kids kids take that over that's more than a businessman that's a graced man of course his help me wife right next to him yeah because yeah he's he's putting it all in order but then she's the heart of this thing don't let her kid you she knows things she knows she knows something about things she sees in the church, we would say, that's, that's prophetic. How come she knows people's character? How come she judges people's character pretty good? Not because she's Italian, because my mother does it too. It's, they got a prophetic gift. They see into people's hearts. You know that's helped him along the way. He administrates that. We've got to build this thing, and we've got to establish it. She's like, yeah, yeah, but build it with this kid. That kid's going to give you headaches. Huh? That's, that's the gift of God. I'm going to put the heat on you because you're here only a couple more days. So, <laughs> The functioning. Say function. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, they're called supernatural endowments, right? And, and that's what you've got to find. And if you don't step into what God's calling to you, you'll never find the anointing to do that thing. You've got to step up. Tell your neighbor, you've got to step up. Uh, we need everybody in here. Lord only knows we need everybody in here <laughs> and more. But we need every gift functioning. We need every member with their grace and anointing. If you're a Martha and you're there and you're just, that's just what your propensity is, is serving, feeding, bringing that food. A lot of you have done that and proved that experience in our lives. You got, you've done it. Everybody's, they've come to my house and they've, they've fed me. I'm trying to make Anna fat, but I think I'm getting a little tube here. <laughs> I keep saying no. See, that's why I pray don't use the name of Jesus in vain. God, help me not eat that whole cake. <laughs> help me. Right? But that's Martha's, and we need that functioning in the church. So don't be mad at her. Everybody gets mad at her. It says she's that one that just worries about everything. Martha, 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 Martha. Right? Yeah, we need her. And, and, and we're all going to function to a degree in her, but some of you better than others because you really grace there. So if you're a Martha and you've been asleep, get up. If you've been a Martha and you stopped serving, get up and start serving your portion to the Lord. Amen? But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. I want you to say Bethany and the church of Jesus Christ, which, which this is illustrating, is birthed by resurrection. It's birthed by resurrected people. People that have his life in them, that's his church. Hello? And Lazarus is at the, and sat at the table with them. I'm almost done. Hold on. Then took Mary a pound of ointment. Say Mary. See, in this church that he's illustrating, Mary's in that house too. And Mary's bringing and breaking alabaster boxes. And Mary is a worshiper. Tell your neighbor you're a worshiper. You got perfume to give to the Lord. He said in Mark 14, hey, this guy, this religious guy called Judas, he's like, hey, hey, what are you doing, lady? Don't break that jar. I can make some cash money. Say, that's organized religion. Give me the cash. I don't care about Jesus. Give me the cash. And he said, and Jesus said, leave her alone. She's given the best. Not a one of you have washed my feet. She hasn't stopped weeping, crying, and breaking alabaster box and washing my feet since I came in. Say, Mary the worshiper. Put your hand over your heart. I am a worshiper that worships God in spirit and reality. That's what you do. Some of you, everybody does that, and some of you do it all the time. Say, we need that. Come back, all the worshipers of God. A pound of ointment and spikenard and costly anointment at the feet of Jesus. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled. Say the house was filled. Don't you know we, we strive for that every time? I don't mean in a bad way of striving, but that's why you go, like, this guy makes me tired. Why does he make me lift my hands? Because I want to break that box. So the Lord sent is here. That's why I tell you, lift your hands, because it's a sign of surrender, not because I want to see you raise your hands. I want you to do that because it changes the posture of your heart, and you become that worshiper. And this place has a different presence. It smells like the Lord. Say, I'm a, I'm a Mary. Very costly anointment at the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled. Say, the house was filled. Every time we come, I want you to break open that box that this house might be filled. And as being filled, people will want to surrender to the Lord just like that. 
When it's filled, people will want to surrender their wills to God just like that. With the, o- the odor of ointment. Next verse. And then said one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Next verse. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Listen, you, every time you're worshiping God, you're investing in God and you're investing in yourself. You're never wasting anything. You give him your best. Next verse. And he said, not that he cared about the poor, because he didn't. <laughs> say, if you got Judas in you, say, Judas, get out of here. <laughs> not that he cared about for the poor, but because he was a thief. And he had the bag and he bore that was put therein. Next verse. And then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my burying, he has kept this. And I want to go on. The poor you have always with you, but me you have not always. And I want to look for that illustration, and I'm going to wrap it up. It says the Jews got mad. It says, they, it says right here, much people of the Jews there knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus. Well, who did they come for? Huh? They wanted to see Lazarus. They wanted to hear his story. They said, he, Lazarus, you were dead, and something happened to you? So in Bethany, we have the Lord in that little church. Say little church. We have Martha, right? She's serving. We have Mary. She's worshiping and changing the presence in there, right? We have Lazarus sitting at the table, and he's testifying. Say testifying. He's telling the experience that he had with God, that they might see Lazarus, who almost also he raised from the dead. Next verse. But the chief priests consulted, and they might put Lazarus also to death. Listen, some people, not everybody's going to like your testimony. (laughs) When you say God's alive and he changed your life, when you say I once was this, but now I'm that, Sometimes you think everybody would be happy, but they weren't happy. So don't be hurt by it. Just keep giving it out. So on the testimony, I want you two to come up here. See, Josh always thinks he has an option. There's no option. <laughs> what option? He said, Craig, man, I really don't know if I really got anything right yet. I said, it doesn't matter. I do not take no for an answer. But these two were married again, and they're a testimony, and they got a testimony. They got an experience of God in their lives of reconciliation. Just go from your heart, whatever you're thankful to God on, take your time. Um, well, all I can really testify is my experience um, of the resurrection power uh, that Jesus that has been shown to me by Christ. And um, um, I'm 33, and she's 30? 31. 31. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've been together since we were 16 and 17 years old, so... Um, the beginning of, of our marriage was, was not a good one. Um, our marriage was not a good one. I was a Christian, and she was, and I was a believer, but uh, Satan had, had uh, really came in and, and had, his, had a number with me. And uh, I truly believe that if he, can, if he can affect the husband and the father of that household, he can, he can destroy that, that family. Um, and I, it's happening all across America, and it's... Um, it's it's a big deal, and he did that to me. But uh, the one thing that 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 he couldn't do is I never gave up. I I never gave up, and in my sin, um, in my sin, in my brokenness, in my despair, in my depression, um, I never gave up on Christ, and I always always kept moving forward. And um, and I don't know. Uh, we we got divorced. We were divorced many years, uh, and I just knew in my heart um, she had moved on. And I'm telling you guys, this relationship was dead. It was dead. In my heart, it was alive. That's about the only thing. Um, 
she had moved on. She, I was dead to her. We were trying to get along just for the sake of grace. And, uh, but something, God had to install in me something that would not leave. Um, I tried to move on in different relationships. I tried to move forward. I tried to kill it. I tried to kill that, and it would not go away. I mean, it, was, it, it just wouldn't leave. Um, I didn't know what to do. Um, I came to Craig uh, about a year ago, broken, um, just not knowing what to do, finally ready to, to put uh, this relationship away and let me move forward in Christ. And, um, and I began to move forward with him and began to seek God again. Uh, I become resurrected. My life become to have some life in it. Um, and, and Craig, um, he never gave up on me. And he, he always pushed me to continue to move forward, to continue to seek God first. And everything else will fall into place. And um, there's a scripture that, and it's funny that, that the, some of the songs are on the resurrection power. Craig spoke on it um, because the last couple of weeks, um, the kind of the theme that God has put on my heart is the resurrection power. Who am, who am I in Christ? Who am I in Christ? And that's what I'm trying to find out right now in my life is who, who is Josh in Christ? Not who is Josh in the old field, not who is Josh in this family, but who, who am I in Christ? And I'm trying to discover that and really allow that resurrection power to come up and, and that be the life that I live. And uh, there's, a, there's a scripture in Romans um, that God gave me to me several months ago, and I've hung on to it. I don't know if it's word for word, but it's uh, the same the same resurrection power that rose Christ from the dead is the exact same power that lives in us that will give life to our mortal bodies. And um, and that is huge to me because that's saying that that same power that 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 used Christ and, and rose him to defeat sin and death is the exact same power that that I have if I believe in Christ. If I accept Christ as my Lord and my Savior and I ask him to come into my heart, it's I have that power. I have that access to that, and, and that is the essence of my power to get through anything, and, and that same power is what resurrected uh, this relationship back, and and um, I remember having these battles with, with Satan because he, he used this situation just to comp- like keep me down here, and I could never go anywhere. It was always down here, and, and uh, a couple months ago, several months ago, uh, I just remember pray, uh, praying um, like face to face with Satan and just saying no, you know I've had enough. Um, everything that that you have stole from me, God will give back. Everything that that has de- that has died will come alive again. And um, I remember Daisy telling me at one point, she said, and she was dead serious, guys. Uh, she said, I don't care, Josh. She's like, I love you, but it's over. And I don't care if God came down and sat on my lap. <laughs> I mean, and told me, you are to get back with him. I would tell him no. I mean, and she was dead serious. She she meant it with all her heart. And uh, I don't really know what to say to that. You know, I feel one thing, she feels another. But it's just the testimony of of uh, you can't tell God no. You know, if he wants to move and we surrender, then uh, it's going to go his way. And he is he is absolutely, I mean, in our in our previous marriage, there was no commitment. There was no surrender. There was no service to God. And, I mean, he's taken what was dead, and, and he has, it has overflowed. It is something that we never even expected, something that we can't even um, even really explain as far as the old is gone and the new is here. And it's brand new. I mean, my feelings for her, my relationship with her, our relationship with Christ, 
grace, everything is new. It's something that we didn't even have before. And so he took what devil had taken and, it, it, and he had given it back to us, but something brand new. You know, and uh, it's an amazing thing. So I have no idea what she's going to say. He came over one day, and I was like, even if God himself comes down and tells me you're getting back to him, no. I mean, that's how set I was on it. I was like, just go on your way. You need to move on. I've moved on. Thought. Um, um, I remarried, actually, after we divorced, and I was trying to make that relationship work, trying, trying, trying. I remember thinking, if I'm trying this hard, that should give me a sign. And he kept coming back, and he's like, I feel like we, we should be together. We're supposed to be together. And I'm like, dude, go on your way. Go on your way. I'm done with you. You know, I already told you if Jesus himself comes down, I'm going to tell him no. I mean, that's how sure I was. But anyways, um, things started to fall apart with this other marriage as he was finding God. And it just kind of all merged together. Um, I tell this to my uh, to the study Bible class on Tuesdays. Um, when this other relationship fell apart and something came, I remember I remember asking God one night, why did this other relationship not work? And the next morning he revealed it to me. It was something that broke my heart, and I remember crying on the commode for an hour. And so if it wasn't for that experience and that tribulation, I would not be here right now because I told Joseph in the class, I thank God for that. Um, hurt. I thank him for that heartache. I thank him for that hour on the toilet crying because that's the reason I came to him. And he used that for his glory and he used that to kind of wake me up and say, because you're not supposed to be doing that. You weren't supposed to have gotten remarried in the first place, but you didn't ask, I didn't ask for his will. I just did it. So after that happened, I had another dream that I told Josh about. I didn't tell him about it right away, but after, you know, I decided that it was time to let that relationship go and, you know, that I wasn't supposed to have been in that relationship to begin with. I had a, I was already coming to church. Josh invited me to church. I was coming to church. But I was like, I told Jeanette, but I don't want him to think that I'm coming to church with him. You know, I want to come to church, but I don't want him to think I'm coming with him as a family. You know, I'm still, <laughs> anyway, I was still fighting it. Um, I had a, I was praying to God that night. I was like, just give me some guidance. I don't know what to do. Should I get back with him? Should I not? What do I do? And we had taken a trip to Dallas to take Grace to a cheer event. And we were nervous all the way because in Dallas, you know, driving with his big old truck, I was like, there's no one here. Go ahead and move over to the side. I mean, it was crazy. Anyways, so we had been talking about that, how crazy the Dallas trip was and the exits and all that. And um, that night I had a dream. Oh, but this is really dumb. I was like, God, I'm really dumb. Sometimes I forget all my dreams. Please help me to remember if I do dream something because I, I have a really bad memory. Here I am praying this at night. Like, I have a really blonde mind. Please, God. So anyways, I went to bed and I woke up and I was like, I did have a dream, but I forgot the dream. I was like almost in tears because I knew he had spoken to me, but I couldn't remember the dream. And I was like, God, please help me remember. And I just prayed. I was like, please help me remember. I know I dreamed something. And I started doing my hair and it came to me. And it was Josh and I and Grace in his white truck. But I was looking above them. I could see him and Grace in the truck. And we were in the freeway, and there was an exit. And I remember thinking, should I take the exit or go with them? And he clearly spoke to me, you're going in the right direction. That was my dream. 
And I woke up, I was like, I had the dream, and I remembered it. Because <laughs> I don't remember anything, and I didn't want to tell him right away, because I didn't want him to get his hopes up here, still I was. No. <laughs> so like, you know, a month or two later, when I could feel that we were going in the right direction, I told him about it. But I just didn't want him to get his hopes up. <laughs> so anyways, he spoke, and then back when, when we were first married, I remember I had another revelation. Um of a dream, I remember I was like in a cliff, and I was already giving up on him, and I was ready to call it quits, and I just remember the dream, I was on the cliff, and I was fixing to go down, and I just remember him saying, have faith, here I am fixing to go off the cliff, of course, I didn't, because I called it quits, and I'd had enough, but um, this other dream, I don't know, I felt like it was from him, I mean, it, so, you know, here we are. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's a testimony, all right? They're going to help other marriages, right? Amen. Good news. Uh, with every head bowed, I don't want to miss this opportunity. Every eye closed. If you heard these testimonies of life and their lives, God can reach you and do it for you just like he did it for them. He's no respecter of persons. He does it for anyone, everyone. Amen? If you've never accepted Jesus in a real way, and you may have went to church all your life, but you never had that encounter with him in a real way, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking, and I want to pray and agree with you that if it's time and you're feeling God drawing you in your heart to return to him in a real way, I want you to lift your hand before him right now and just say, Lord, I I really do need you. I need change in my life. Uh, I want you. I want some of your activities and the beginning of the happenings of God. If you'd raise your hand right now, if every head bowed, every eye closed, if you'd raise your hand, just lift it higher there so we can all pray. If, okay, I see a hand. If, you, if you've been away from the Lord and, and you know that, that you need to return, I, I want you to lift your hand up as well. It's time for me to return. I see the hand. I see that hand. Okay, and I want everybody together to lift up both hands and we're going to pray and say, Lord Jesus, you said... In your word, whosoever comes unto you, you will in no wise cast out. I come to you right now. So you receive me right now. I believe with all my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. So right now, with my mouth, I confess, Jesus, your Lord. Jesus, you're my Lord. I receive you right now. And I thank you for saving me right now. I thank you that I'm yours. And I'll never be forsaken or left alone. Not ever. No, not ever. No, not ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give him thanks. Amen. Amen. And I, I want to wrap it up just by telling you a little bit of story. Uh, try to stick with me for just a second. I joined the band in school and started learning to play the trombone. And obviously I still play the trombone. Uh, but after eight years, 
of, in, of being in the band, 5th through 12th grade, that's all I did was play the trombone. It was after that. That was when I was a child, okay, when I didn't know any better. But I, I expected someone to stand and teach me, and I did what they told me. And, I, and I, that's all I did. I didn't, I didn't step out on my own until I was a man, until I was an adult. And I realized, hey, there's other stuff I can do because I love music. I want to be able to do other things. Now, I'm not saying I do anything else really well. I still play the trombone better than I play anything else. But you see me do other stuff because I, I found out that I, I don't need to just sit and wait for someone to instruct me. And I don't want to waste eight years learning to do one little thing. You know, it doesn't take really very long to learn to play the trombone. You know, there are seven positions. Seven. And you, that, you learn those the first week. But for eight years, I played those seven positions. And that's all I did. Why was that? Well, I, I was a, a child under tutelage. We're not children here. We're instructed regularly. You know, raise your hands, uh, grab your neighbor's hand, pray, whatever the instruction is. And, and I know some of us do that spontaneously anyway, but how about if we realize that not being children anymore, we're mature and, and called to do more, that let's not just play the trombone for eight years. How long have you been sitting in the pew and... and uh, not finding all that there is that you can be doing. Not, not releasing all that's in you. Maybe, maybe y'all, y'all get sick of me moving from instrument to instrument and stuff, but it's a joy to me <laughs> that, I, that I feel like I can be utilized. I used, to, I used to expect people to come and compliment me after I sang or, or played or whatever. What an idiot. I finally realized, why, do you go, why would you go compliment the instrument that God used? You know, like go up to the piano. Good job. What a fine job you did today. What an idiot way of thinking. And I finally realized, I, but I do want to be more useful and more utilized, not for compliment, but for usefulness in the kingdom of God. I don't know if you see the connection to what was said today, but I hope you do. That's what it said to me, reminding me of those eight years, because I get mad when I think about those eight years. You know, a band director, you didn't recognize there's something in this guy that could do more than play the trombone? Come on. I couldn't even read treble clef after eight years. You know, there's two clefs. I realized that later, you know, that I should know. Eight years and I didn't know how to read the other one. Do you want to know how to read the other one? Do you want to know how to do more than you're doing? Anyway, sorry. I had to let that out. 